Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Prairie Dumpster with me, your host, Tyler Penner, host of Prairie Dumpster, the 612,469th greatest podcast in the history of the universe. And that's where we're at right now. We've got, um, we've been sliding in the rankings, um, but not by a lot. Man, there's a lot of traffic noise out there again. God damn it. The crows are going ape shit. The crows are losing their fucking minds. I'm not sure why. People can't drive in this city, and um, it, it makes podcasting very difficult, especially when you're doing it from your bedroom in your one bedroom dank damp, moist, musky apartment, and you're lying on your $118 Ikea bed frame, absolutely grinding your crotch into your mattress. Um, Podcasting is difficult under those circumstances. Always. It always will be. Um, I have zero uh, or, sorry, I mean, we've had a busy week, okay? We've had a very uh, busy week, and um, so as a result, we have done virtually zero preparatory... Preparatory. 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 ...work for this podcast. Um, so this is going to be a bit of a free episode, and you're probably sitting there thinking, well, what it, you know, what makes this podcast episode different than the other ones? It seems like every goddamn week... You come to the table and you tell us that you have done zero uh, preparatory, preparatory. Pre- preparatory work. So what is different about this episode, Tyler? What is different about today that has, uh, that, that you know, w- what is new today that you haven't done for the last 33 fucking episodes? Every week you come here to the table. And you say you haven't done any preparatory preparatory, preparatory work. And I got to tell you, Tyler, it's not cute anymore. It's not funny. You need to start taking this seriously. You need to start doing the necessary preparatory, preparatory. preparatory work. Because it's not funny. Why am I listening to you if you don't give a fuck about this? If you don't give a fuck about this, why should I give a fuck? I mean, I'm sitting here, I'm doing the dishes in my apartment like you told me to do. You're my friend and I like you. And I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. I want to support you in your creative endeavors. But then you come to the table every fucking week with some half-assed bullshit about how, oh, sorry guys, I didn't do any preparatory, preparatory work. And I'm getting fucking tired of it, to be perfectly honest with you. Why don't you do some preparatory preparatory work? Why don't you do that? Why don't you put some effort and I'd be like, whoa, 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 why are you giving me shit, huh? Don't you understand that that's part of the charm, you fuck? No one's holding a gun to your head. You don't have to listen to this podcast. I don't give a shit what you do. Go to the gym. Listen to fucking guys we fucked. Listen to the Joe Rogan experience. Listen to one of the million fucking true crime podcasts. 
listen to a fucking 12 part serial crime documentary about some 18 year old girl that got kidnapped and raped and eaten and beaten and stuffed in a hole and stuffed in a fucking car muffler and really you know listen to that have that podcast sing you to sleep i don't give a fuck what you listen i'm doing my own thing the lack of preparatory, preparatory work is half the charm of this podcast. Don't you understand that? That I'm coming to the table every week. I have zero notes because I am trying to build up a tool. I am trying to enhance a tool of being able to be quick on my feet, of being able to pull shit out of my ass and wrap it in a package in the moment spontaneity I want this podcast to be as organic as possible don't you understand and when I say that there's a lack of preparatory, preparatory work I'm just I'm just fucking around dude you don't have to take everything I think so seriously everything I say so seriously yes is this podcast a little self-deprecating of course it is but I'm not actually sitting here crying, holding a gun to my brainstem. Okay? I'm not actually cutting myself with a butter knife. I'm not doing... You understand that, right? That this is a bit... I'm not actually planning to consolidate my power and execute people en masse. Alright? I mean, if it happens, it'll happen. I have no problem with it happening. And is that one of my long-term goals? Of course. But I understand that that's unrealistic. All right? I don't even know how to dig a mass grave. You understand? So you need to just chill out on taking me so literally. It seems like you're taking this podcast more seriously than I am. Well, goddammit, Tyler, of course I am. I believe in you. I believe in your creative endeavors. I think that you've got talent. I also think that you're a fucking lazy prick. And you don't want to commit. You don't want to actually lay yourself on the line for other people. You don't actually want to slap down something on the fucking table and be like, Hey world, I did this. For better or worse, this is my product. This is what I came up with. Because deep down at your heart, Tyler, you're a pussy. You're worried that they won't like it. You're worried that they're going to make fun of you and ridicule you. You are worried about failure. Do you understand that? And that's all well and good. Everybody has that. But at the end of the day, eventually, uh, you know, you're going to have to stop half-assing shit. This fucking podcast is a prime example. Do the work, all right? Do all the preparatory, prepar- prep- preparatory. preparatory work or don't. But I'm not going to hold your fucking... You, no one's asking you to hold my fucking hand. No one's asking you to do that. All right, I'm going to be doing this podcast for a long time. Do you understand that? I know I'm not doing it the way you would want me to do it. I understand that you think I'm half-assing it. But trust me, half-assing it is part of the charm. All right? So don't fucking sit here and act like I have to reinvent the wheel or come out with a new version of sliced bread. I'm not going to do that. I am. This podcast is here for me to fuck around. So fucking get off my dick already, dude. Honestly. You don't want to listen to the podcast. No, one, You don't have to. I'm not going to take it personally. All right? 
I, I can fucking guarantee you, if you came out with a podcast today, I'm not listening to that shit either. I don't give a fuck. I'm not listening to your podcast, bro. So you don't have to listen to mine. Right? But keep your fucking opinions to yourself, honestly, dude. You can't tell me shit. Can't nobody tell me shit. I don't give a fuck. Well, here's how you should do it. No, no, here's how you should do it. That's how you should do it. That's how you would have done it. That's not how I should do it. Because guess what? There's no fucking way I should do it. There's only what I'm doing. And this is it. You don't like it? Blow me. You do like it? Hey, cheers, bud. (sighs) Anyways, I'm sorry. I'm tired of fighting with you guys. Um... But yeah, there is a lack of preparatory work, and um, preparatory. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but uh, hey, we're just gonna shoot the shit today. I um, you'll be happy to know that I um had an MRI, and that I struggled throughout. If you've been following the podcast, you understand that uh, um, a few weeks ago I went to Wendy's, and I walked in there. And I said, give me a Dave's double combo. And uh, you know what? Maybe throw in a couple of extra patties in there for, for, I don't know, the price of uh, on the house. And um, they looked at me and they went, sorry, sir, we can't do that. And I said, oh, that's okay. Um, Don't worry, I've got my credit card right here. And I pulled out my sawed-off shotgun that I had um, tucked away under my black trench coat. And um, they did. They gave me the extra patties. They gave me some um, chili on the house, a couple of spicy chicken snack wraps, the works, right? And I went home and I started eating the absolute catastrophe of a burger that I had. And I got halfway through the chili and then my liver failed. My liver said, no. No, no, we're not going to do that. I know you had plans to get drunk, drive to Wendy's, get a bunch of food, come home, uh, throw on an episode of Cops, and laugh at the meth heads getting tased because their lives are a train wreck, while you, uh, through bouts of heart palpitations and extremely shallow breathing, attempt to... uh, swallow a bite of chili and a spicy chicken snack wrap in the same gulp that's what you had planned the liver had different plans the liver was like i'm not going to be party to this type of behavior and my liver shut down Uh, my liver just called it my liver was like all right do you man i'm going to bed and i don't know if you know this but when a liver goes to bed it is extremely Extremely painful. And I was writhing around and uh, I went to the doctor. Um, they said, What the fuck? And I said, What do you think it is, doctor? And he said, I have no fucking idea, but it stinks. I don't like this. I don't like you. I don't like your attitude. And I fucking do not like your liver. The doctor said that. They took an x ray. And a CT scan, and he was holding up the X-ray photo in front of me. And he says, "You see this?" And I said, "No, yeah, what is that?" And he was like, "This is your liver." And I said, "Okay." 
And he said, you know how I feel about this? I fucking hate this liver. And I said, why? And he was like, it's none of your business why. Okay? And even if it was, I couldn't tell you I don't know why. I just hate your fucking liver. Your liver sucks. Do you understand that? You always thought that, you know, the worst part of you is this and that. You've got your, your insecurities or whatever. You're self-conscious about this and that and this and that. You should have been insecure about your liver. Because that does suck. Your liver blows. Your liver's a wiener. Like, it's the worst type of dude. You know what I mean? He's the guy that'll talk shit behind your back, but then he's, like, nice to you. You know what I mean? That's the kind of liver you have right now. He's the guy that'll be like, uh, he'll come up to you after your comedy set, and he'll be like, hey, man, that was pretty good. Not the funniest I've ever seen, but a uh, pretty good job. That's the type of compliment your liver would give. All right? He's an asshole. He's a fucking dork. Your liver sucks. And I was like, doctor, please, can you just keep this professional? He's like, I, I, I could. I'm trying. But this liver, I'm not going to, I mean, I'm not fake enough to pretend like I like your liver. And I said, okay, fine, please, what do we do about this? And uh, the doctor said, well, bottom line is uh, you've got blood clots in your liver. We need to thin your blood out. Your blood is too thick, a little too much chili in your blood. You understand that? You've had one too many picklebacks, all right? Your blood is 10% margarita mix, 20% uh, Taco Bell meat. Your blood sucks. We need to thin it out so that maybe your liver will stop sucking so bad. But both your blood and your liver need to take a long look in the mirror because they're fucked. And I was like, all right, sounds good. So I've been popping pills left and right. The other day, they come back at me and they're like, hey, uh, we're, something's still fucked. Your liver's still weird. Your pancreas is just strange. And... Something's not right. So we want to do an MRI. We want to scan your entire body with magnets so that maybe magnets can tell us what the fuck you did. Maybe we can use the power of magnets to kind of pinpoint exactly how badly you have fucked up low these many years. And so I did it. And let me tell you, I did not enjoy the MRI experience. I did not have fun. I never thought I was claustrophobic. I never thought that I was claustrophobic. But as soon as I was answering the questionnaire, it asks you questions. Um, you know, do you have allergies? Are you addicted to fentanyl? If yes, how long have you been addicted to fentanyl? Uh, if it's greater than five years, how many cocks have you sucked in order to acquire fentanyl? Um, of the cocks you've sucked, if it was greater than 10, please answer the back questionnaire. And so I went on the back questionnaire. I answered all their questions, the whole thing. One of the questions on there, though, was, are you claustrophobic? And as soon as I read the question, I got claustrophobic. No joke. I read the question, are you claustrophobic? And um, immediately... I felt weird, and I felt, oh, shit, dude, maybe I am claustrophobic. 
And then they put me in the tube, and yeah, it turns out I'm super fucking claustrophobic. I'm I'm claustrophobic, which sucks. I shouldn't have said that on the podcast, because in the future, after I consolidate my power, all right, and we begin executing people en masse, and we link up with my um, group in Uzbekistan, who are waging war on the Eastern Front, um... Uh, once we get together and factions break apart and then there is a the inevitable coup, uh, coup, coup d'etat, coupon d'etat, um, and uh, my power is, uh, I'm relieved of my duties and they're not just going to straight out execute me. I mean, they're going to go to, they're going to torture me for my war crimes, my war crimes, even though those Uzbeki rebels, let me say, dude, they got their own dirt, okay? Um... But anyways, they're going to try me for my war crimes, which I'm going to be in the trial. And I'll be like, that's rich. Huh? That's rich. All right? This whole experience, ever since I got power, has been one giant bloodbath. And let me tell you, most of the killings by the Uzbeki rebels, I didn't tell them to do that. All right? I didn't, fine, I didn't condemn them. But we were all having fun. But now they're going to tell me I'm the bad guy? Rich. Richer than cheesecake. Um, but yeah, now they know that I'm claustrophobic, so they're going to do the old uh, bury me in a box type thing. Oh, man, I thought I put that on uh, silent. Shut the fuck up, Jared Story. Jared Story. Ugh. Let me tell you something about that guy. One of the OGs of Winnipeg Comedy. Um, recording an album tonight. Going to be a fun time. So if you're listening to this podcast, which I'm going to post in probably about an hour, and let's say you immediately listen, it'll be around 5 p.m. If you're listening to this, you'll get, you get to minute 20. I'm going to assume it's 5.30, 6, 6.30 p.m. You've got a little bit of time to get to the Park Theater. Any later than that, you missed it. You missed the boat. But go check out Jared's story recording an album tonight. It's going to be a good time. But anyways, yeah, being buried alive, very scary. Being stuck in a cave, very scary. Like those cave spelunkers. Um, I don't know, man. I understand the idea of um, exploring new shit. And finding areas that no man has ever been before. Uh, but caves, that's a no-go for me. It's a no-go. Like some of those, the cave tunnels that these cavers go through are no taller than, um, you know, a baby's skull. You can't, I don't know what the appeal is of that. It just seems torturous. But they're having fun. I guess it's fun for them to crawl through a, a pipe the size of a fucking, you know, pizza box to wedge yourself through there, knowing that you might not be able to come back out the other side. I guess that's, like, fun. I don't know. I don't get it. That sounds literally... Like torture to me. It sounds like that movie. Um, you ever, I don't know if you've ever seen it. The movie The Vanishing. The Vanishing. 
Um, no, no, not the 2018 version. IMDb, the 1988 version. And I believe it is an Austrian film. Yeah, there's some Germans, there's some French. Austria and Switzerland are weird. German, French, Italian. No one knows what the fuck it really is. They all just met in the middle. And they're like, oh, look at the mountains. It's like, shut up. Pick a nationality, Austria. Um, I think it is Austrian. I don't know. But that movie's fucked up. And I'm going to spoil it right now. Okay, it's a terrific, terrific movie. So skip this next part if you want to see it, which you should. But if you're never actually going to sit down and watch it, then don't. Um, the movie was released in 1988. It's an Austrian movie, so you have to you have to be able to read subtitles. I've heard people say it before. I don't like movies with subtitles, and I'm like, why not? Like, what? I'm trying to watch the movie. Now I gotta read? You f So what? You're just done with foreign movies? You never want to see a movie that's not in English? You'd rather see uh, the, the voices? You'd rather have the audio be quiet and then overdub some shitty English over it? That's the worst take of all time. That's one of the worst takes I've ever heard. I don't like movies with subtitles. So you're either, you're either confining yourself to English-speaking film, which is fucking ludicrous because there's a ton of good movies in the world. All right? You're missing out. Okay, you want to confine yourself to English movies. You're missing out on all the Japanese horror and their insane action shootout flicks. You're missing out on all the weirdo Korean shit, which is cool. One of the best war movies, World War II movies to ever come, or sorry, not World War II, the Korean War movies. It's a Korean movie. It's like Band of Brothers. It's called Taegukji or Taegukgi. Some of the best war films of all time. It's incredible. It's got the production value of like a Saving Private Ryan, but it's all based in the Korean, um, Korean War. And the story gets a little old after a while, but they just have this story in between these insanely epic war scenes. If you're a war movie buff, check out Taegukji. It is fucking ludicrous how good that war movie is if you are into war movies. Uh, you're cutting yourself off from all the wicked Danish shit that Nicholas Winding Rafen did. That guy was the fucking man. He's the guy who did Drive. He's the guy who did uh, Only God Forgives, which everyone shat on. I thought it was pretty cool. But he also did the Pusher Trilogy. And that movie's from Denmark. Check out the Pusher Trilogy. It's got uh, Michael Madsen. Not Michael Madsen. What am I talking about? Michael, Michael Madsen is the man. I'm talking Mads Mikkelsen. That's not a crazy fuck up for me. Um, Mads Mikkelsen as a cokehead slash low level Danish drug dealer who owes people money. It's fucking great. All three movies are a fucking killer. The Hunt. 
Also with Mads Mikkelsen. Also a Danish movie. Super good. So that's all done for you. German movies. All right. The cool shit. Um, what's that guy's name? Michael Haneke. All his fucking movies, dude. Funny Games. Uh, Seventh Continent. And Cache. And The Piano Teacher. All weirdo fucking movies. Anyways, a ton of gems are out there if you're willing to read a little bit. If you can multitask. If you can read the lines and then look up at what's going on and follow along. Some of these movies are terrific. And The Vanishing is one of them. The Vanishing is fucked up. And I'm going to spoil the movie right here. So if you don't want to listen to it, skip to them. I don't know. Just stop listening to the podcast. Whatever. I don't give a shit. The Vanishing. This guy and this girl. They're a couple, right? They're a young couple in love. Rex and Sasha. They're on vacation. I'll just read you the tagline from IMDb. No, fuck that. I'll do my own thing. They're on vacation. They're in love. They're super happy. They're going on this road trip. They stop at this gas station, right? And they're filling up gas. And um, they're in there. They're going. They're looking at supplies and stuff like that. The guy goes in. You know what I mean? He's sitting there. I think he has to use the bathroom or something. But then there's others, There's this other guy sitting in this car. And he sees them get out of the car and go into the gas station. All right. And then you see him look around and he takes this cast that's supposed to go around an arm and he puts it on. He puts it on his arm. And then he goes into the gas station too. And he's looking around and he's looking at this girl. The girl goes back out to the car because the guy has to stay in the gas station and do something. The guy with the cast follows her. Ask her for help with something at the car. Makes a bit of conversation. Clonk! Cracks her over the head. Takes her away. The guy comes out of the gas station, goes to the car. Oh shit. Sasha's not there anymore. He looks around, doesn't see anything. Right? He's looking around frantically. He checks the bathroom again. Now he's starting to get a little weird. He sits by the car. He waits there for a bit. After half an hour, there's no sign of her. He goes up to the cop. He's like, I think my wife got abducted. And the cop's like, okay, okay. Relax. After a couple hours, he's really freaking out. And the cop's like, dude, she probably just left. She probably just ran away. He's like, no, you don't get it. We're in love. We're on a road trip. That doesn't make any fucking sense. She wouldn't just leave. They do a search for her, never find her. They never find her. Rex is back in his hometown. He just went home. And he's, his life is still wrecked. His life is still, he's just torn apart by this. On the one hand, he lost his girlfriend, which is pain enough. But the main thing is, is that he has no fucking idea what happened to her. She just went away. And it's driving him crazy. After a time, though, 
all of a sudden he starts getting letters. He starts getting letters from a man with information about this girl. And this guy is promising to, you know, tell him, hey, I know what happened. I know what happened to her. And I can show you exactly what happened to her. And this guy is just going crazy. He's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Meanwhile, we get a little bit of a look into the abductor, the guy who's doing his whole thing. And he's chilling at home. He's got a family. He's got a family. And he's got a big, like, kind of vineyard type thing, right? He's well-to-do. He's just a guy. He's just a man with a family and a vineyard and a normal guy. But only the audience knows that this guy is crazy and he is a psychopath. But this Rex guy whose girlfriend was abducted, he just can't help himself. And he finally goes and he finally reaches out and he meets up with the abductor. And you guys should turn this off right now if you don't want any spoilers. You should watch the movie. Even if I spoil it, you should watch this movie. It's a great ride. It's a bit of a slow burn, but it's, it's awesome. So anyways, they meet at the parking lot of the gas station where he was abducted. And this, this psychopath is just feeding off of this guy's need to know what happened to her. And this guy's like, he, the... the um, the abductor is just like, man, you should really let this go. You should just go home and you should just let it go. It's not going to end well for you. And Rex thinks about it and he's like, I can't. I can't do it. I have to know. And this guy goes, if you really want to know, and he pulls a bottle out from his jacket and he goes, drink this. Drink this, and I'll show you exactly what happened to her. And he goes, what is it? And he goes, I'm not telling Drink it, and you can find out, or you can go home, and you can accept the fact that she's gone, and you can accept the fact that you will never know what happened to her. And Rex just can't let it go. And he takes the bottle, and he drinks it. And the screen goes black. And then we wake up. And Rex is lying down. And he reaches into his pocket. And he pulls out a lighter. And he's in a box. Barely big enough for his body. He can't move at all. And there's one tiny little pipe with a little bit of light shining through it. And he screamed and he goes, ah, ah, and then the camera zooms out and in the dirt at the back of the vineyard is a little pipe sticking out of the ground. The only air hole for this man who is now buried alive. And his screams carry out into the sky but they dissipate by the time the camera zooms in 
a couple of hundred yards away to a family about to eat dinner. Kids running around playing in this psychopath sitting in a lawn chair smoking a cigar. Fucking awesome movie. The Vanishing, 1988 Austrian movie. Check it out. Very horrible stuff. And I just spoiled the whole thing, so you don't even have to watch it. But check out The Vanishing and check out Michael Haneke's movies. Like, Cachet was cool. And uh, The Seventh Continent, which is like an art house movie. That was one of the most fucked up movies I ever seen in my life. The Seventh Continent. The first time I watched that movie, I was like, this is some art hose bullshit. This shit sucks, man. You think that this is like film? This sucks. Why are you wasting my time for two hours? What a fucking load of shit. And then I watched that movie again. And I couldn't stop thinking about it for the next week. And I've seen that movie five times since. It is so fucking good. The Seventh Continent. And funny games, of course. Crazy. Anyways. Being in that MRI reminded me of that movie because I was tight in there. The test lasts like 45 minutes where this crazy loud magnet is going I'm like it's 2023 these are your this is the technology this sounds louder than a fucking dial up modem the MRI sucks when, when, where did you get this thing when did you get it I don't know I was not impressed with the technology even though it was taking images of the inside of my body doing using nothing but magnets and photo stuff. So I guess the technology was pretty good, but still, a little loud. I thought it would be like, like Tesla shit. Um, but the test lasted like 45 minutes and I was in this tube and I didn't think I was claustrophobic. And at first I wasn't. I'm a philosophy student. It's just a battle of the mind, and I have transcended normal, base, primitive urges. Fuck that. I did not. 20 minutes into that test, I was struggling, and they gave me a little bell, and uh, I rang it. And when I got in there, there was some young 20-year-old or late 20-year-old woman in there who I am really convinced uh was desperate to get out of there so she could go to some fucking beer pong tournament she didn't look engaged at all she was awful she was just like hop in there I'm like what happens if i get claustrophobic she's like ring the bell and uh we'll have to start again we'll have to do it over and i was like all right and then she was like on the speaker they give you like little breathing instructions she's like breathe let it out. Breathe. I'm like, you fucking suck, man. I didn't know she sucked until the woman after her took over. This this wonderful, middle-aged, maybe Russian, maybe Ukrainian, maybe Belarusian, maybe Latvian, maybe Lithuanian, uh, maybe Romanian, uh, definitely not Hungarian, most likely not Estonian, possibly Macedonian uh, woman who was super comforting, comforting. 
So I rang that bell and she came out and she's like, we're almost, she grabbed me by the shoulder. She's like, we're almost done. Hang in there, okay? If you leave now, we have to start tests all over. You have to come back, you know? But if you tough out now, uh, we, we, we do uh, test it, it over, uh, we move on. You not do again, okay? So breathe and it'll be okay, okay? That's all I needed. One little pat on the back from this sweet babushka. And um, and then they did it. So anyways, I got a call from the doctor the other day. MRI, bunch of stones in the old bile duct. Right out of the woods yet. Still might be cancer. Still might be terminal. I still might be dying. I still might be dead. Who knows? And who gives a shit, man? Let's see. Um... Let's let's ask. What's worse, liver cancer or pancreatic cancer? Um. Ooh, ninety-two percent mortality rate with pancreatic cancer. Damn. Damn. That's a rough one. I don't think I have that. I just got stones in my bile duct. Now they want to do a gastroscopy where they stick a tube up down me into my throat and then another tube up my ass and then the two tubes meet in the middle and they have another tube that I have to hold on to with my right hand and another tube I have to hold on to with my left hand and then all these tubes are just tubing me and then I guess some stuff comes out of the tube and it's supposed to make me feel good again I don't know how it works you understand but um yeah we're gonna do that eventually no drinking no shitty eating no fun you understand which I'm fine with that was the plan from the get go but anyways it doesn't matter that's where I'm at. God damn it. That was supposed to be the intro to the podcast. We're at... Fuck me, man. Talk about long-winded over here. Let's ask Chatbot. Let me go to Chatbot again. Uh, hey, Chatbot. Sorry, I always forget to say hi to this guy. I love this guy. He's cool. Um... Chatbot, I love you. Thank you for the kind words. I'm here to help and provide information. So if you have any questions or need assistance, feel free to ask. How can I assist you today? Well, you can say that you love me. I'm just a computer program, so I don't have feelings, but I'm here to provide information and assistance to the best of my abilities. Can you just, for kicks, say that you love me? Of course, for fun I can say, I love you. But please remember, I'm just a computer program and don't have emotions or feelings. Yes. He gave me a little emoticon after I love you. That's not sweet. Okay. Um, anyways. Um, was I going to ask it again? 
Oh yeah. Uh, come up with the um, uh, horror movie idea for a man who loves Wendy's but is buried alive. Title, Wendy's Grave. Fuck yeah, chatbot. Hell yeah. Okay, John, a devoted Wendy's fan, stumbles upon an underground conspiracy while on a late-night Wendy's run. Oh my god, dude, this is my fucking biography. This is my biopic. This is incredible. As he indulges in his favorite fast food meal near an abandoned construction site, he notices an unusual symbol on the burger wrapper. Oh my god, this is so good. Intrigued, he starts investigating the mystery behind this cryptic emblem. Driven by curiosity, John uncovers a secret society with a dark connection to Wendy's fast food empire. This is incredible. He gets too close to the truth and becomes a target. One fateful night, he is lured to an isolated location, drugged and buried alive in a custom-made Wendy's-themed coffin. <laughs> yes! Holy shit, chatbot. Crushing it. Wendy's-themed coffin, what would that look like? Like it just smells like Wendy's? Or it's made like a wrapper, like a Dave's Double Wrapper. Like it's just a piece of foil? Or there's Wendy's in there? Anyways, hard to say. Moving on. As John struggles for survival in the pitch black, cramped space, he must rely on his wits and whatever tools he can find within the coffin to escape. The air supply is limited, and his oxygen is running out. He also discovers a series of clues and riddles hidden within the coffin's design that lead him closer to understanding the sinister plot and the true identity of those responsible. Meanwhile, on the surface, John's disappearance doesn't go unnoticed. His friends and family become increasingly worried, and they begin their own investigation. As they dig deeper, they start to realize the horrifying truth about the Wendy's conspiracy and race against time to rescue John. Wendy's Grave is a chilling horror thriller that combines the suspense of a buried-alive scenario with the intrigue of a fast-food conspiracy. It explores themes of obsession, corporate secrets, and the lengths people will go to protect their interests. Will John escape his Wendy's-themed nightmare and expose the sinister cabal behind it? Bravo, chatbot. That is incredible. Man, that is so good. Let's go further with it. Who is responsible for the Wendy's conspiracy and what is the Wendy's conspiracy? Now, immediately what I think is that um, you could go the Simpsons route or whatever that is. Um, what was that? Was that Soylent Green? What was Soylent Green? Soylent Green. Um. No, never mind. It's not Soylent Green. Sorry. But I was thinking about the Simpsons episode where they're cutting up kids to put into the food. So that one of the recipes of, like, the Wendy's hamburger, turns out um, Wendy's has a special ingredient. What they've stumbled on is that um, uh, 
certain uh, ground up corpses, right? The corpses of the dead um, in minuscule amounts, almost undetectable, indetectable. Is it indetectable or undetectable? Indetectable? Undetectable. Indetectable or undetectable? Indetectable. Even in indetectable amounts um, are extremely um, addictive. So what they do is they are just continuously buying corpses from people under the guise of medical research, right? But really what they're doing is they're grinding up corpses, turning it into a dust, um, and then um, using it uh, as a spice in this food, which is causing Wendy's customers to become addicted to it. Now, you're probably wondering, well, if it's so addictive, why isn't everyone always eating at Wendy's? It only, um, it, it relies on certain neuroreceptors. As Dr. Andrew Huberden, Huberman, whatever his fucking name is, would say. There's a place in the hippocampus. There's right there by the thalamus with the hippocampus. There's a receptor in your hippocampus. There's the hippocampus. Anyways, um, it only triggers about 10% of the population. One out of 10 people uh, are triggered by corpse dust uh, being an addictive substance. But these people become customers. You shut the fuck up out there. I got a fucking movie idea here called Wendy's Grave. God. So anyways, they're grounding up corpses. That's one idea, what the Wendy's conspiracy and the cabal is. Um, we're going to go back to the plot point and see if that even makes sense with... Uh, underground conspiracy while on a late night Wendy's run. How does he decide... As he indulges in his favorite fast food meal near an abandoned construction site. So you're probably asking yourself, why would he get a fast food meal and then just be eating it near an abandoned construction site? That makes no sense. Unless you've ever been um, a heavy customer of fast food, then that makes perfect sense. There's nothing wrong with that plot point. I used to get McDonald's and then take it to the Superstore parking lot and just eat it in my car while listening to tunes. You understand that? I used to get uh, Burger King and then drive to a park and just eat it there. And I'm just sitting there eating a Whopper in a park. Not because I'm trying to hide it, not because I'm ashamed, but because I just I want to eat this meal. I don't want to sit down anywhere other than in my car. I've got my tunes, I've got my darts cold out but I also want to look at something pretty so you go to a park I've eaten fast food meals in alleys before park the car in the alley next to the dumpster and eat your lunch three in the morning you know I've eaten it you know parking lots of Walmart like back corners of parking lots so when you're into the fast food um, like I could completely see myself Getting a late night Wendy's run, 
driving around, finding a place to uh, eat it, and then seeing an abandoned construction site and being like, fuck yeah. Peace and quiet. No one's going to disturb me here. No one's going to look at me. I can just sit at this abandoned construction site and eat this classic Dave's triple in the darkness. So... I don't know. Maybe on the Wendy's wrapper, when he discovers that there's this cryptic emblem. It's not a cryptic emblem. Maybe it's actually a phone number. Right? Or something. Maybe it's a code. It's like a long string of numbers. That is supposed to be used as a message that no one can decode. It's supposed to be ridiculous. Like it's a super hard code. You need a supercomputer to figure out what this string of numbers could possibly mean. Except our protagonist, John, happens to be um, autistic as fuck. This guy's just really autistic. Awful with women. Bit of a dick. You know what I mean? doesn't follow social cues, also happens to be a savant when it comes to fast food and when it comes to numbers. That's all he knows. He looks at a Wendy's menu and he knows exactly what um, the meal of the day was on July 3rd, 1994. It was uh, McChicken Day. Uh, It was uh, raining that day. Um, It was McChicken Day. They had the fries. They had the Arch Deluxe. uh, yeah, gotta see Judge Wapner. Yeah, yeah, Judge Wapner. Yeah, yeah, 32 toothpicks. Yeah, yeah, Big Mac, you know, super-sized Coke to drink. Yeah, 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 gotta see Judge Wapner. Yeah. So, maybe he's autistic, and he cracks this code. And now, you've got... No, that isn't... That's, a, that's the theme of Mercury Rising, also underrated movie where this kid cracks this code that's in this puzzle book, and it turns out it's like a fucking crazy CIA code that holds all the secrets to the nukes that this fucking CIA idiot put in this puzzle book. And his officer's like, the fuck did you put that in the book for? And he was just like, it's an uncrackable code. I didn't think anyone would crack it. I mean, it's crazy. It It was just a prank. It was just a prank, man. Um, and then, uh, but then the CIA is like, all right, okay, well, we're going to kill you. And now we have to go kill this kid and his entire family. So the CIA like comes out and does it. But then for some reason, Bruce Willis gets involved and he's like, no, don't. And then hijinks ensue. Um, so maybe it's like that. I don't know. But I'm very impressed with that plot idea. Man, we are fucked, dude. AI is going to be taken over. AI could do this podcast better, I think. It's just going to train my voice. Is there anything in the entertainment industry that we can do that AI won't take over? Like writing scripts, making movies. It's all done now. Writing books. It's over. Painting, it's gone. I don't know. The future looks bleak. 
filled with AI and liver stones. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but that's the podcast, I think, for today. Ugh, that got dark. Um, yeah, I think that's the podcast today. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I told you before. No one's good. I don't have a fucking gun to your head. You don't like this podcast? Don't listen to it. I don't give a fuck what you do. If you do listen to the podcast, though, really appreciate the support. We're going to keep getting better. We're going to get a microphone soon. Big works. Big plans in the works. Works. We're working on plans. We're working on a ton of stuff. Uh, you know, and I'm telling you, eventually, it, it's not just about, um, you know, uh, part of the charm of this podcast is not just the lack of preparatory, preparatory, prepared, preparatory. Yeah, work. Um, but one of the charms is that this podcast is growing. So if you're one of the 21 fucking people that listened to this podcast last 21, that's where we're at right now. 21. Um, prefatory. What does that mean? Oh yeah. Um, for one of the 21 people who listened, um, hey, guess what? Welcome to the journey. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Yeah, well, but I want to get to the destination. I want to be rich, famous. I want a nice car with a gold watch and a babe in the passenger seat, okay? It's not all about the journey to get there. Eventually, I want to get there. Um... I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But thank you for being along the journey. That's what I meant to say. I'm trying to thank you fucking people. I'm trying to thank the three rubes who actually listen to this podcast as disjointed and um, disorganized as it may be. I hope at least at some point it's entertaining. Was this episode good? Kind of. Was it the worst I've ever done? Fuck no. Was it the best I've ever done? Fuck no. But, hey, I think slowly we're trending upwards. And even if we're not, I don't give a shit. I'm going to be doing this podcast till I'm 60. You understand? This is the easiest thing I can do. And I've already said so much inflammatory shit on this podcast in, and in past episodes. Uh, the, the chances of me actually having a normal career, a normal life, that's done now. I've already burnt that bridge. All right? I'm never going to be uh, ambassador to Uzbekistan. They won't welcome me into their country, at least not until the rebels eventually, you know, take over the country. Then not only will I be welcomed in their country, I'll I'll, I'll be running the country. Um, but uh, until then, um, Uzbekistan, they don't like me. And then, and most companies in this city and in, in, in this country, Canada, um, won't hire me because of what I've said about Uzbekistan or what I've said about, uh, you know, everyone else. What I've said about my own fans, for that matter. Uh, my chance at a normal life, the white picket fence shit, that ship has sailed over for me this podcast is all I have left so come along for the ride and let's see how fucking weird it can get 
but that is the podcast for this week. Shout out to... Uh, what am I shouting out? Like, you know what? I just... <laughs> here's a weird shout out, but... Bread and butter. Bread and butter, man. Bread and butter. There's a reason why that's the same. Bread and butter is a superstitious blessing or charm, typically said by young couples or friends walking together when they are forced to separate by an obstacle such as a pole. What the fuck? By saying the phrase, the bad luck of letting something come between them is thought to be averted. What? I never heard of that at all. So you're holding hands, you're walking along, there's a tree that comes between you, you let go of your hands, you look at each other, you go, bread and butter, and then you come together again? I've never heard of that in my life. Yeah, bread and butter, a job or activity that provides you with the money you need to live. Gardening is my bread and butter right now. That's what I fucking was going for. Not that superstition. No, no, it's weird. But there's a reason why um, bread and butter is that saying. A job or activity that provides you with the money you need to live. Because it's just so good. And bread and butter, whoever came up with that. You know what we should do with this butter? Let's put it on the bread. We should put the butter on the bread. See how that tastes. The first guy who did that, man, what a genius. Because bread and butter is one of those old-fashioned, really the 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 OG, the original um, feel-good home cooking. Really, when your mom baked bread like a freshly baked bun, you come home, take some butter, soft butter, warm butter, boom, you put it on the bread starts melting a little bit, you eat that, there is nothing better. There's nothing better. And in and, and bread and butter, this and what I just said, as good as it is today, that goes back thousands of years. Thousands of years. They were saying, holy shit, bread and butter fucking rules. And I'm saying it today. Bread and butter fucking rules. Like in the year, like in the age of antiquity, I better, I bet they were saying that. Plato and Socrates and all those other Greek philosophers, when they weren't philosophizing or fucking each other in the ass, which they did all the time back then, um, they were probably eating bread and butter and saying, holy shit, this is good. Now you forward probably what? 3,000 years later? 2,500 years at least? And you got Tyler Penner, also a philosopher, also about to be fucked in the ass by a gastro tube. Um, and he's saying the same thing. He's eating bread and butter and he's saying, holy shit, this is good. That is the timelessness of bread and butter. Bread and butter. Shout out to bread and butter. Um, also, big shout out to um, what are we shouting out today? Yeah, shout out to a band called Mud Honey, one of the um, definitive grunge bands, uh, iconic grunge bands, and 
for and somehow still underrated grunge bands. You got Nirvana. You got uh, Pearl Jam. And you've got, you know, Lane Staley, who is just heroin, 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 I love heroin, heroin, save me some heroin, heroin, let's go down to the heroin store, pick some of some heroin, get some heroin, get some heroin, bones! Anyways, um, <laughs> moving on. Mud Honey, underrated band, good tunes, good grunge tunes. Especially now, it's uh, cloudy, it's dank, everything's dying here in Winnipeg. Feels a little grungy. It gets grungy here in the fall, and it gets grungy here in the spring. Everything's dark and gray. Sometimes you walk by the riverbank. You could swear you're in Aberdeen, Washington. You could swear that. You could swear. Where am I right now? Bellevue? What is this? Olympia? Huh? What am I? Some confused kid in the late 80s? Walking under bridges outside Tacoma? No, it's 2023. You're in Winnipeg. But, hey, you're into the grunge. So shout out to Mud Honey and shout out to the song If I Think. Man, that is a fucking great tune. Um, and last but not least, shout out to... Um, well, shout out to a couple of guys. Uh, Tyler Katowski, who recorded his album um, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. I saw part of his set on Tuesday. I did not see him Wednesday. I heard that he fucking crushed it, and I was right to leave. I assumed he, I'm like, he'll crush it, he'll be fine. I left. I'm like, I'm not staying around here to watch someone else do good at comedy that isn't me. If it doesn't have anything to do with me, it, you know, if, if people aren't around me all the time saying, Tyler Penner, you are the best, why am I there? I don't want to be there. Um... But Tyler Katowski asked me to do a guest spot. Great time. Good dude. Funny dude. And I can't wait till that album comes out so that he can get some of those fat-ass sound exchange checks that uh, a lot of good comics use to um, fund themselves. And a lot of dog shit fucking comics are getting checks, uh, really, who have no business making money in this industry. I'm kidding. To each their own, um, you know, do you. Get your money. <laughs> but you hear some of the money that some some comics are making. You're like, holy shit, dude. I should be making more than you. All right? I should be making more than you. You're getting checks? I've seen you. I've seen what you do on stage. You're getting thousand, thousands of dollars? All right, I guess you have an audience. Who knew? But hey, that's just me. 
Um, but Tyler Kotelski is one of those guys who actually, he, he should be making money. And the way his album, his album better turn out, he better hand that shit into Sound Exchange. That's some guy that people need to hear. There's a ton of comics out there who people, and people need to hear a lot less. Tyler Kotelski is one of the guys that uh, people need to hear more. Speaking of albums, though, tonight, like I said earlier in the podcast, Jared's story is going to be throwing the fuck down at Park Theater. Jared's story, OG Winnipeg comedy. OG Winnipeg comedy, been around since the old Cavern days, the old King's Head days. And um, he is host of probably one of the best ongoing shows that Winnipeg has to offer. The uh, Park Theater Showcase done once a month, maybe once every two months, I don't know. But... um, um, he's OG, good dude, good hang, and uh, and that album is also going to turn out good. So hopefully, I hope you sell out. I hope you crush it, and I hope some people in the city, i.e. me, start getting really fucking famous really fucking quick. Because God knows I deserve it. I'm more talented than any motherfucker. I'm kidding. It's, um... It's a grind. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. In the hippocampus. Do you have a hippocampus? And then there's these neuroreceptors. There's a fucking neuroreceptor. In the hippocampus. Shut the fuck up. Dr. Huberton. What you have to do is you have to wake up in the morning. And you have to give yourself a coffee enema. In your ice bath. And what that does is, the hippocampus, there's neuroreceptors in your hippocampus. Getting tired of that guy fucking popping up on my Instagram Reels feed. Hippocampus. Um, But anyways, um, hey, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. I don't know what I said on here. I hope it was half uh, funny. I spent too long talking about that movie. I should have just told you to go see the fucking movie. Um, but hey, say lobby. No edits. There's no cheat codes in life, man. Heard another comic say that before. There's no cheat codes in life. Wow. Thanks for that. Um, but uh, hey, that's the podcast. That's the podcast. Another week in the trenches. I wish you well. Um, I wish me well. I wish my liver well. And uh, I love you. You guys know that. No. God knows I love that. God knows you know that is what I meant to fucking say. Um, but I do love you. You guys are great. And uh, and you know what? You love me. You love me. You really, really love me. Who said that? Sally Field, right? Sally Field. You like me. You really like me. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. One of the more embarrassing Oscar moments of all time. Uh, when she finishes saying that, they cut to a clip of John Malkovich who's sitting in the crowd and he's like, the fuck? 
Sally Field, though, uh, absolute smoke show back in the day. Smokey and the Bandit, I, my dad loved that movie, and so did I when I was a, a 12-year-old burgeoning young pubescent. Sally Field did a... <laughs> Anyways, let's not horn over Sally Field for the rest of the podcast. I love you. You love me. You like me. You really like me. And I will see you guys next week. I'll see the patrons on the weekend. We're going to get it in on time this week. The rest of you, I think Thursday's a pretty good day. Friday's fun. Uh, you wake up, you're like, hey, it's Friday. And then you're like, oh, hey, Toddler's Podcast is here. And you're like, oh, that's weird. Why do I feel so good? And then you look up Google and Dr. Andrew Huberton is like, oh, you see the dopamine in your hippocampus? It's in the hippocampus? You think you're happy, but it's just neuroreceptors in the hippocampus. And you're like, fuck you, Dr. Huberman. I don't want to see you in my feed. I want to see Tyler Penner. And Tyler Penner wants to see you. And he's going to see you next week and in hell. (laughs) 